The German poet Rainer Maria Rilke is often quoted as encouraging us not to excessively prize the answers of life, but rather to live in its questions. Behind this advice is a sense that we as human beings have not completely explored who we are and who we are meant to become. And one way we may attend to our call to self-discovery is by paying close attention to the desires of the heart. We can say that today's readings are all about the desires of the heart to know God. And these desires have manifested themselves in the mother of all mysteries in which we celebrate today in the Holy Trinity. But first things first, we must begin by correcting a cultural misunderstanding that sees a mystery as something that is not true because it can't be proven. Biblically speaking, a mystery is something that is infinitely true because its truth comes from a deeper perception of reality. Mysteries are the intangible realities Love, passion, sorrow, glory, suffering, life, and death. These are the things that are infinitely true. It's just that we do not fully understand them yet. And because the Holy Trinity is a mystery, we have to humbly admit that the language we have to speak of it will always feel inadequate. Inadequate in the sense that language will not give us what we want, which are answers about God. Rather, we should look to language to give us what we want most, need most, desire most, which is an experience of God. And what we were given in Holy Scripture is Jesus' experience of God. It is the experience that is the key. If we read Jesus looking for doctrine, law, rules, and regulation, we will miss the experience. The doctrine of the Holy Trinity, in which we believe in one God, two natures, three persons, is fundamentally and essentially a theology of relationship. And so we can say the Holy Trinity is the unique Christian way of speaking about God. But in the church's history to understand the Holy Trinity, our understanding became an intellectual enterprise, one to be defined and defended rather than taken as a spirituality that would bring us closer to God. And the arguments over the Holy Trinity while they were necessary, were not so much needed to defend the doctrines about God, but to defend the doctrines about God that preserve our experience of God. Here we are indebted to our early Greek fathers of the church who knew this well and wrote extensively about this experiential intuition of a relational God. 
where they used interesting words that described a movement, a flow, a self-emptying among the three persons in God. And all they could say with great certainty is that within this one God, there is a movement among the persons of the Holy Trinity that reveal the very nature of God. And Holy Scripture was always there with rich images of a relational God. And one such example is the very breath of God. In the Hebrew Scriptures, we read that the mighty wind that swept over the waters is the breath of God. And the earth that formed humanity came from the breath of God. And in his passion, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. And after his death and resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and breathed on them, saying, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so what is scripture revealing to us is that this giving back and forth of God's breath is the movement within the one God. Scripture reveals that the breath that created the earth is the breath that created humanity, is the breath that came to us as God's only son, is the breath that was crucified, and is the breath that is given to us in the Holy Spirit. And so this image of God's breath appears to reveal the very nature of God as an infinite movement of self-emptying and self-giving between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even the Catechism of the Church affirms this when it says, God himself is an eternal exchange of love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and he has destined us to share in that exchange. And this exchange, of course, is God's inexhaustible love, the life that pours itself forth, the love that is freely given to us beyond our capacity to grasp it, and yet as immediate to us as our next breath. The mystics of the Middle Ages defined Trinitarian love as the ability to see one another in the other until there is no other. Just as in marriage, when we say the two become one, in the Trinity, the three become one. And throughout the ages, the church's language of relationship evolved in how we spoke of the Trinity. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to creator, redeemer, sanctifier, as the giver and the given and the giving. And in the great doxology of our Eucharistic prayer, through him, with him, in him. Over time, it soon became obvious that our language about the Holy Trinity revealed God not only as a noun, but God as a verb. And that changed everything, because now what we see in God is what we experience in ourselves. 
When we were all children learning our faith, we were first told that we were all created in the image of God. And the first thing we asked is, what does that look like? But it came to pass that the better question was, what does God move like? And the movement within God is this eternal exchange of love. Understood this way, whenever we participate in the act of perfect giving and perfect receiving, then we are in the image of God, where there will always be a force flowing outward, creating life and variety. That seems to be the work of the Spirit. And this is why when we are baptized, we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because with baptism, we become part of God's eternal exchange of love, and we give and receive to each other in our relationships. To live a Trinitarian life, then, is to meet your life where you live it, to trust that we are all being guided, to embrace the joys and the sorrows of our lives, because almost everything is guidance. Even our sins become our teachers. It's when you realize that the best things you ever did in life were those things you did for someone else, where you expected nothing in return but only the happiness of the other, and you couldn't take any credit for it because you knew that you were being led. This is the experience of God we call the Holy Trinity. And we Catholics have been blessed with this movement we call the sign of the cross. So join me in allowing that movement within God to be mirrored in us and marking our body with it in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.